0: Hi, I'm Jalen Rose. Welcome to this week's Renaissance Man podcast. This week's theme is success is a recipe featuring Gabrielle Union. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. I appreciate the support, but do me a favor. Read the column every Thursday, New York Post, Renaissance Man. Download, subscribe anywhere you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Check us out each week and then make sure you leave a comment and a five star rating. Thanks for the love. This week's theme is success is a recipe. What does success mean to me? I thought long and hard. First and foremost, the ability to support myself especially if i have the opportunity to do what i love next help others my family my friends if i can help them achieve their goals if i can move my family to the suburbs if i can put my kids in better schools put them on a path of success also to give back to my community philanthropy is extremely important to me also Something that money can buy, the ability to live and think freely, to be able to move as I see fit, fly where I want to go, to be uninhibited is success. Growing up in the 70s and the 80s on the northwest side of Detroit to a single parent, there were three levels of success that I got exposed to that were prevalent in my life that I got a chance to see with my own two eyes, that I got a chance to touch with my own two hands. And then just the opposite, success that you close your eyes, you think about, and you dream about. The first level of success was blue collar. Growing up in the Motor City, you're taught, if you wanna work a nine to five, if you wanna get overtime, you get those 40 hours a week, you get that double time on weekends and on holidays, buy a car on the A-plan, a plan, couple of thousand dollars off, you can set yourself up and your family up for success. And that's what I saw. The second form of success that I saw were hustlers, fast money, the drug dealers, the cocaine sellers. I saw the users, I saw the abusers, and finally, athletes. And as I take each step, blue collar, hustlers, athletes, and try to figure the ingredients that they had in common, they're really a lot more similar than they are different. The blue collar ingredient that I learned from my family What's hard work? The things I learned from the streets and the hustlers is you can't be afraid to take risks in order to get what you want. And finally, the thing I learned from my athletic heroes via sports is think big. Dreams happen, including yours. Always remember, there's a lesson to be learned from everyone. These are specific ingredients that I take with me each day that have put me in position to be successful. My next special guest has perfected her recipe and has become a successful actress, author, mother and wife. Up next, Gabrielle Union Wade. welcome to this week's renaissance man sponsored by the new york post you know i'm gonna bring you the most interesting the most talented the most successful people that have big opinions and have accomplished so very much my next guest falls into each category i am honored to be joined by the talented gabrielle union wade welcome and thank you for joining me
1: thank you for having me this is so
0: Absolutely. I appreciate the love. So you've had a long and a fantastic career. I've done all right. And it started with friends. A lot of people may or may not know that. So tell us how that came about and how that influenced your career so very young. You
1: know what? It's it's funny because friends actually was kind of midstream. At that point, I think I became more... Aware to a certain demographic that does not look like <laughs> me, that actually Mainstream. <laughs> yes, yeah, somebody's version of Mainstream, not our version of Mainstream. But so at that point, it was funny because I had already done, I'd already had four number one movies. I had already done Ten Things I Hate About You, She's All That, Bring It On, Love and Basketball. I had already shot. No, I think bad boys, bad boys have, had already come out at that point. Another number one, I had been on um, a hit show called uh, City of Angels. Well, not a hit show because we got canceled. I've been on a show called City of Angels and our show got canceled. Right. So our show gets canceled on, let's say, Monday, uh, Tuesday. They call me like, you want to do this gig on Friends? I was like, oh, yeah, sure. It was a gig. It's just it means I don't say it means nothing. It's it's a job. Anytime you have a job, they can pay your bills. You're like, oh, it sounds amazing. And I was aware that it was a popular show, but it just wasn't popular with anyone that I personally was friends with. We were, watching, we were watching Living Single. We were over <laughs> on Fox, not, you know, over on NBC so it was It was just a gig. And so when it came out, I'm still doing press for the other movies that I have going on. And I make this joke. On the View, I believe, where I said uh, I didn't realize that I was the Rosa Parks of must see TV, <laughs> Rich, right? Which is what they were calling, you know, NBC <laughs> at that time. And NBC gets very upset with me, and they literally go through every episode mm. of Friends. And at that point, they'd been like eight or nine seasons, and they counted all of the black people. No. Yes, they did, and so then they gave me the correct information and the correct information was that I was the first African American love interest on Friends. But yeah, so it was it was a very big deal for some folks, just none that I knew personally.
0: Well, I've joked that for me Friends is the white version of Martin. Is that accurate? I think Friends is the white version of Living Single.
1: You know what I mean, about a group of friends in New York and actually Living Single was first. So Friends came after that. So I believe it was the success of Living Single that spawned Friends, not the other way around. So, and, I, and Martin was around that same time because it was, it was in Living Color, Living Single, my, you know, Martin Show, oh, 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 uh, New York Undercover. So we were, we were moving and grooving. Like we were doing our own thing, you know, setting trends, shifting the culture. So Friends for us, I think more people, more of us, are discovering friends now on streaming or cable or whatever or or in syndication versus any one of us was really, like, talking about it at the water cooler on Monday.
0: So being in the industry a couple of decades, you've been a part, as you've acknowledged, so many groundbreaking experiences for yourself, for women of color. What advice would you give to young people who hope to break into the industry and follow in your footsteps?
1: I think a lot of it has to come down to do you want to be famous or do you want to act? Because if you wanna act, there's a solid chance, like more likely than not, you will not make a dime. If you love acting, then you, you may wanna do it on the stage and in your own community, community theater, you, might, you may wanna do regional theater, Broadway. There's so many different ways that you can flex your acting muscle and, and scratch that creative itch. Now, if you want to be famous, that's a different thing. And that's something that you need to work out in therapy because Hollywood is not going to cure that for you. It's just going to exacerbate any issue that you had where you're chasing outside validation, which is a whole other thing. And I think what, what we find a lot these days is people want fame and they want money. But as me and my husband said last night, it, it pays the cost to be the boss. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand what the hustle, grind, sacrifice, rejection that goes into doing what we do. They just see the the end result, not the journey.
0: What about some of the sacrifices you needed to make in order to become elite at your craft, but also some of the challenges that you fought through in order to be in the position that you're in right now?
1: I think early in my career, I sacrificed my own morals and values and scruples. You know, to to kind of put my head down, go along to get along. I don't see anything. Just make sure my check clears. And for me now, you know, years removed on the other side, I realized I didn't have to do that. So you don't actually have to sacrifice your morals or scruples, your you know, your values that you were raised with to succeed in in any industry, but certainly not this one. All you're doing is stretching out harm and abuse mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, you know, making it last longer than it needs to be and keeping quiet. You know, you also sacrifice sleep and you sacrifice time with loved ones. You sacrifice. Sometimes if the project is just so amazing, you're going to sacrifice money because not all great projects are going to pay you. That sacrifice can come in so many different forms and you just have to figure out what your line in the sand is and what side your bread is buttered on. And, I think especially early in your career, that can be confusing as you're trying to figure it out, as we're all just trying to grow up and, and hope that, you know, as we make crazy mistakes that people give us grace in the, in the same way that we give others grace.
0: When I knew that I was fortunate enough to have you on, I was trying to create a theme and the theme I decided was success is a recipe because so often success is something almost like it's made in the kitchen. And so if you had to acknowledge your secret ingredient for your success, what would it be?
1: It was probably my time at UCLA. At at that time, it was the most diverse university in the world. Mm. So I literally learned how to get along and work well with all different kinds of people from all over the world, every background, every race, religion, I took advantage of, of all of that diversity. You know, sometimes at certain schools, you can just isolate, and you never really have mm-hmm. to interact, but I worked at the bookstore, so I saw everybody, <laughs> but I think that time and learning how to manage my time because I was a full-time student taking, mm-hmm. you know, paying for college myself, had student loans, was working at the bookstore. I was in a relationship. I had to figure out how to balance all of that, manage my time, be on time, work well with all different kinds of people from all over the world and still find a way to, to thrive and go to therapy. But I think that would have been that, that experience is the secret sauce and not everyone needs to go to, you know, certain, a uh, very specific university in order to get that same experience, but it's taking advantage of everything that life uh, has to offer and not functioning in a silo. Because when you're in a silo, you're like, I'm right, because all you're hearing is your own voice echoing back to you. So there's no no one else to bounce ideas off of to say, that's terrible. That's a terrible idea. That <laughs> idea is actually terrible, terrible, terrible. And to get out of your comfort zone. If it makes you comfortable, it's not the right move.
0: You mentioned a term that used to be taboo in the Black community, therapy. And for so very long, we felt like talking about your pain was a sign of weakness as Black men and as Black women. Mm -hmm. I applaud that you and your husband have been very outspoken about this topic, especially now with COVID-19 and dealing with the pandemic. Why is that so very important for those who have access and what are some of the things that you hope to see happen for those who have not been granted that access to be exposed to therapy?
1: Therapy is such a a beautiful, healing, helpful tool to be your best self and live the life you you should and want to live. And a lot of times our childhood traumas or trauma that that happens at any point in life, Kind of can handicap us or or shackle us with the burdens of of trauma that can that can freeze you in place that can send you backwards. All of the progress you made, it can either freeze you in time or send you hurtling backwards, and it robs you of your most authentic self and everything that you can accomplish. It robs you of your dreams. It's a dream snatcher. So therapy is just a massive tool to help you reclaim your life and your peace and your sanity. And I know so many parents get nervous about sending their children to therapy or going themselves as if it is a, some kind of universal symbol of failure. Mm. Oh, if my kid needs therapy, I'm failing as a parent. And I don't, I don't want to give anyone that public failure. I don't want to take that L for myself or for my kids, but really the best gift you can give your children is freedom. And sometimes that freedom comes in healing. And the healing can come from therapy, so it's just reframing it in our minds and kind of stopping that that negative talk in its track. You know, whether you're at the hair salon, barbershop, school, work, wherever, family reunion, when people start talking about mental health challenges, and someone says something negative stop them in their tracks you don't have to let that that kind of talk go on around you Mm. you can be like no actually healing is the move actually i want to be whole actually i don't want to still be talking about something that happened in 1986 Mm because i haven't healed from it Mm -hmm. why why do we still have these conversations every thanksgiving because nobody is healing so (laughs) you want different we got to do different. And a lot of times that starts with, with healing. And I, do, I strongly encourage it. I think one of the, the most powerful things my husband has ever done, and he's done a lot of powerful things in his, in his day, but it was the last season and he was having an interview with, uh, Rachel Nichols. And she asked him like, what was next, you know, after you retire, this illustrious you NBA know, career. And he was like therapy. And mm-hmm. I was sitting on the stairs listening. I'm out of the frame. I'm just listening. Cause I'm, I love listening to him talk. And when he said that, I was like, and then I was like, "Mm, let's see if you really go, (laughs) right? That sounded great, but let's see if you really go. And then when he retired, that was the first appointment along with a bunch of doctor's appointments to start healing the rest of his body. But Mm -hmm. yeah, no, that one of the first things he did was start going religiously every week in the pandemic, switched to zoom and Skype. Like Mm -hmm. nothing, he didn't let anything stop him from healing because he recognized I'm going to need help. He's seen the guy and you've seen them. You've, Mm -hmm. You've seen a lot of guys who just don't handle the transition well. Their families are not able to stay intact. Their psyche is not able to stay intact. A lot of the childhood stuff that they were able to kind of put off to the side while they were, while y'all were playing, mm-hmm. it comes back at, with all the other friends yes. that, they, that y'all picked up, you know, over the NBA or professional sport. And it all just gets dropped at your feet mm-hmm. and you have no, no more outlets. And, you know, all you have is you and whoever has, Stuck around, <laughs> correct. So it's just I don't know. So as a family, we're just really big on therapy. I've been going since ninety two, and it is honestly the thing that has kept me alive. To be
0: quite honest. So how have you, for so very long, is uh, along with your husband? You guys have done an amazing job of keeping your reputation so very pristine, <laughs> especially as social media has become something that's so prevalent.
1: You know, because we've led with honesty and transparency that we have screwed it up so many times along the way. We we still screw up and we just lead with that. You ain't going to tell be able to tell me or him nothing about us that we haven't already told you first. And that's the only way that you can truly lead is with transparency and honesty and, tr- you know, just truth. So I screwed it up. I screwed up my first marriage terribly. I screwed up so many relationships because I hadn't done enough work on me. I hadn't healed enough uh, to be in anybody's relationship, much less a whole marriage. Mm-hmm. But I lead with that. I put it in the book. I do the press tours. I talk about it. I, and I lead with my mistakes first. I am the biggest victim of me, right? And as once you can name that dragon, you can slay that dragon. So that's, that's how we're able to, where people give us give us grace and have compassion, it's because we've shown you what's behind the curtain. You've seen it all. You've seen the dirty draws. There's not a lot we can hide at this point. So we just try to lead with love and transparency and people rock with us, thank God.
0: I'm a fan of both of you guys and I've always appreciated it. But not only being a wife, a mom, an actor, you're also an author. Yes. Second book in 2020. Tell us about Welcome to the Party. Yeah,
1: you know, I wanted to create a book that that celebrated, you know, Miss Kavya James, Shady Baby herself, and also every parent or caregiver whose families are created in a perhaps less than traditional way. So we were able to bring Kavya to our family via our gestational carrier slash surrogate. My mother adopted the first of three children at 60. So she's 73 now with three kids, but there's no... Children's books that talk about, you know, what happens when these children arrive in our lives and they are celebrated and wanted and welcomed. And we do throw a party for all of them. That's what that part, that's what Welcome to the Party is all about. That no matter how you arrive at your family, you're welcome and loved, and you are divinely ordained and perfectly placed.
0: That is amazing. Lastly, before I let you get out of here, two more questions. You're currently starring in the show, LA's Finest. Yeah. With Jessica Alba. Yeah. Tell us about that project. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. So, yeah, so I had this idea of what happened to Sid, <laughs> you know, after her brother played by Martin Lawrence and her lover, played by Will Smith, saved her on that beach in Cuba. You know, what happened to Sid? She was a DEA agent. She, At one point in time, she was actually quite capable of her job. She must have been. Before she was like, oh my God, I simply don't know what I'm doing. I need my brother and my lover to save me. I wanted to get back to capable of Sid. And so reached out to Jerry Bruckheimer, who thank God I, I've seen for you know a lot over the years because he's Best friends with pat riley and he's a heat fan and has you know been to many heat games and hung out with us in miami and he was like oh that's a great idea let's spin him off let's get you a badass partner who's more badass than miss honey daniels you know mm-hmm. dark angel herself jessica alba who created a billion dollar exactly. company an honest company We paired us up we're the only black and latina women to lead a show and we just wrapped our second season randomly Fox picks it up, picks us up and, you know, here we are. But it's, um, it's a really fun, I guess, expansion of the bad boys universe um, where we're kicking kick butt, fighting crime, having a lot of sex and having a lot of laughs, a lot of action, very much in that Jerry Bruckheimer, you know, world. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun on Monday nights at eight o'clock on Fox.
0: Oh, I probably have my most important question for last. You just mentioned something I've always wanted to ask somebody successful like yourself. How does your better half <laughs> deal with your sex scenes?
1: He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He does like he'll ask me before each episode, Are you naked in this one? Are you, are you doing it? And then I don't, you know. But sometimes I forget because we shoot these, you know, like we we shot this stuff last year, a year ago. I don't remember. Right. And he'll be, you know, we'll sit there with the whole family popcorn and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, no, I mean, like, he did a um, a little cameo in a movie, I uh, felt like, 100 years ago, What to Expect When You're Expecting. he was playing himself, but, like, a hyperversion of himself. Mm-hmm. And he had to dance, like, you know, learn how to do, like, a Dancing with the Stars type of thing. And I was like, what's this dope Like, You don't pass a <laughs> like, was like,
0: What I, time is practice again? Yeah, what if,
1: <laughs> I, that, that cha-cha looks a little, mm. um, So I know I couldn't do it. God bless. He's better than me. <laughs> but I think as as I get older, and you know, I, I do factor that in as as uh, you know, because the the older boys were like, I'm getting murdered at school, like <laughs> like like with the, like the scenes and all that. So I was like, maybe I gotta you know think twice. But as long as my ass is still sitting, I'm gonna keep showing. As so, you know, everyone will just adjust,
0: I think. Absolutely. You're <laughs> killing it, and congratulations. Before I let you get out of here, I have a segment that I do a rapid-fire questions called Gone in 60 Seconds, presented by Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. Okay. You are on the high seat in 3, two, 1. First post-COVID travel destination.
1: Oh, south of France, Saint-Tropez.
0: One word to describe Nate Robinson's knockout by the hands of Jake Paul. Alarming. It was alarming. It was I alarming. I felt so bad for my brother. I, I felt so bad for my brother. You can play the lead role in the biopic of your choice. Who are you playing?
1: Oh, I'm playing me in uh the the, the um <laughs> screen version of we're gonna need more one. Gabrielle <laughs> playing Gabrielle.
0: Do you really love Your husband's red wine. Yes,
1: I love it. I I love, I love the way, all the way it blends. But my favorite is, is the Chenin Blanc. The Chenin Blanc is my favorite. I go through at least a bottle of Chenin Blanc probably every few days.
0: How long can a black person celebrate their actual birthday?
1: Black people rules a month. I believe it is exactly 30 days. (laughs) Yes, yes,
0: yes, I agree. You survive, Like Ron said, if you don't like my way, send me back in 30 days. <laughs> appreciate the love. Thank you very much for joining me. It's been an honor.
1: No, thank you, Jalen. Honor is all mine.
0: Appreciate the love. Last, last call. call. This week's last call is about practicing healthy habits. The most successful people Have become successful in large part due to their development and practice of good and healthy habits and eliminating the habits that weaken or harm them. We create our habits and then our habits create us. Look back, say, over the last five years. What have you done consistently? On a daily basis that has gotten you where you are today, because if you don't like where you are today, then you need to change what you're doing on a daily basis. And you know what I learned throughout the years? My bad habits are usually the hardest to break. Most of us know at least one successful individual, whether personally or from afar. When I think of successful people in my life that I know, whether men or women, young or old, black or white, no matter what walk of life they come from, I noticed they have the same commonalities, and it's that they practice these healthy habits. First, they wake up early every day. You got to master the morning. You can't be out all night and then master the morning. Many of them wake up three hours before the start of their work day to tackle personal projects, plan their day, their week, their month, their year, or make time for exercise. Another thing that I've noticed is that they tend to spend time with people that inspire them. You're only successful as those you frequently associate with. So be choosy about who you spend your time with. Successful people also make it a point to limit their exposure to toxic, negative people. Again, people come into your life for four reasons. Always remember this. To add, subtract, multiply, or divide. Please choose wisely. And lastly... They get a ton of sleep. Like I said, you got to master the morning. A successful person gets about 8 to 10 hours sleep a night. Sleep is critical. So get them Z's in. And remember, successful people are simply those with successful habits. I'm Jalen Rose, the Renaissance Man. See you next week.